I'm Julie Hyde, and I believe you can't be a leader of others until you are a leader of self. It all starts with leading you. So if you are ready to be the best leader that you can be, you're in the right place. I'll be chatting to a diverse range of leaders who will spill the beans on their leadership, how they changed the game, insights into their mindset, and how they built the courage and resilience to be a modern leader with impact. Let's get into it. Kate Christie is Australia's top time management expert to some big clients, including the Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet and the European Union, which I'm sure would be super interesting. She has taught thousands globally how to save 30 plus precious hours a month in time and then how to use that to design and live their best lives. The best-selling author of five books, Kate's fifth book is called The Life List, Master Every Moment and Live an Audacious Life. And it's a call to action for women who want more. Welcome, Kate. Thank you, Julie. It's lovely to be here. Yes. And I can't wait to chat about your book because I've had the privilege of reading the first couple of chapters and it's just amazing. So, Really keen to dive into this with you today. Thank you. So this podcast is all about leading you and this is such an awesome topic for it because we're all leaders of our own lives and this is exactly what you're talking about. First of all, I love to ask you this question, which is if you were the leader of the world for a day, what would be the one thing that you would change and why? Such a good question. And look, I'm sure you've had people respond with, you know, world peace and harmony and good relationships between all religions. So I'm not going to do that because all of your other guests have solved for that. Uh, so I would say that if I was leader of the world for one day, I'd really love to focus on women and allow women to have that time that they need. So I would give every woman a day off to sit down and think about her life and to reflect on her life and her goals and to consider her backstory and then to design her future story, knowing that, yes, we all have a backstory, but that doesn't dictate what your future story is going to be. So I would give every single woman the time to design what that future story looks like. And before I kind of get hammed down by all the guys listening saying, well, what about us? please jump on board. You can also have the day off to design what your future story looks like. As we're also solving for world peace and harmony and goodwill to all men. Yes, I love that, Kate. <laughs> we need to be, we need to be um, equal here. <laughs> so I think that would be something that many, many women would find quite foreign in terms of just having the time to just sit down for an entire day and reflect on their backstory. So I love that. I think I would vote for you. So now let's talk about your book, The Life List, which as I mentioned before, it's a call to action for women to start putting themselves first. But I'd love to know what was the catalyst for you to write this book? Yeah, great. So my background, I'm a time management specialist, productivity specialist, and I've focused for so long on helping my audience 
get their time under control and to reclaim hours, hours of lost time. And it's always been very sort of productivity and efficiency based. And it's been floating around in my brain for a while that, you know, well, now that you've got your time back and you've got your time under control, what are you actually going to do with that? And so that had been sort of floating around in my brain for a while. Enter COVID 2020 and kind of the world turned upside down and we went into lockdown. And a month after that, in April 2020, my ex-husband, who I'd been married to for 22 years, had three beautiful children with, uh, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And 11 months later, he had passed away and he was only 54. And it was every bit as brutal as you can imagine in terms of obviously not only going through that during COVID and the restrictions around COVID, but you know, watching this beautiful, charismatic, vital man succumb to this illness and also having to try and support my children through that process of grieving their father before he'd even died. And they were all older teens, young 20s at the time, you know, so still babies, still kids. And I don't think we ever kind of can cope with the death of a parent regardless of how old we are. But watching them have to go through that so young was incredibly difficult. And there was nothing I could do to make it better apart from just be there with them and be there with him because there was never going to be a happy ending to that story. And going through that process, I I guess, and, and watching him decline so quickly and having those discussions with him about everything that he was going to miss out on. And, and the agony of that for him, because he was obviously incredibly well aware of everything that he was going to not be able to see and participate in. And, you know, life's too short and it's it's try to we say it. And I used to say it if I wanted to eat another donut kind of thing, but it became something that I was very then fixated on in terms of life really is too short and we can't put off till later what we can do now. And so that was the catalyst to writing the book. About nine months after he passed away, I wrote an article about it, a very brief article for CEO World magazine uh, where I, I spoke about his passing and, and the resolutions that I've made to live a very different life. And I just had this list and and there were some, you know, some deeper things on the list like, you know, I want to climb mountains or I want to push myself out of my comfort zone. I want to do this and I want to do that. But then there was a lot of little things on there. Like I want to tell my kids I love them every single day, even when they're shitting me. I'm going to cuddle them every day. I'm not going to sweat the small stuff. I'm not going to vacuum as often, you know. So it was this mixed list of, I guess, resolutions as to how I wanted to live my life very differently as a result of what we'd been through. And I just got this huge outpouring of responses, you know, from around the world people saying, oh, my God, I love the idea of a life list instead of a bucket list and I, you know, can I steal your list or can I borrow your list? And it just became really apparent to me that I tapped into something that people were really yearning for. I think probably partly coming out of COVID, you know, or being in COVID, people wanted to live very differently. They wanted to, you know, COVID was a time of very deep reflection for many of us in terms of the lives we're living and what's most important to us. And I think the timing was right to then put this book out into the world to say, hey, listen, life is too short. 
don't create a bucket list. Don't create a list of things you want to do before you die. That's too late. I want to create a list of everything I want to do while I'm still young enough to live it. And that that was the catalyst. Wow. First of all, thank you for so generously and vulnerably sharing your story. You share that so beautifully in your book. That must have been just such a confronting time, particularly with your situation. And also it puts things into perspective so quickly and you're having to support, you know, your ex-husband and also your children. It's just such a, a huge time for you. And I love that distinction that you made between the life list and the bucket list. And, and I might get you to explain that a little bit more because you're, you're so right in terms of priorities and there that has been, you know, research done to support that, that through COVID, people really assess their priorities. But I also think they're a little bit lost. It's like, okay, I do want more. I need to live differently, but I'm not sure how to do that. Yeah, exactly. And that was very true of the discussions I was having with the people around me in terms of people wanting to live very differently, but just not quite sure or knowing how to start or where to start. And so that's where the practical part of me comes in. And I, the book you know, has frameworks in there to show you exactly how to write your life list and how to design it. And then once you've designed it, well, there's another framework in terms of how do you actually implement it? Because unless you implement it, it's just a list, you know, we can all write a list. So actually have to then go and live out these goals. And, you know, my life list is going to look very different to yours and yours is going to look different to the next person. So it's about understanding what's important to you to input into your life list. And and I guess to your question of that distinction between a life list versus a bucket list, you know, firstly, you know, a bucket list is often, a, as I said, it's a list of things you want to do before you die. And so, you know, these are the things you put off until, oh, well, when I'm 65 and I retire, here are the things I'm going to do. And I'm just like, well, no, I'm not prepared to wait that long because Dan passed away when he was 54. He didn't have a chance. He put stuff off till later and it was too late. So that's kind of the first distinction is the life list is about embracing life now and doing it now. And as women of my age, I'm turning 53, but kind of women in their 40s, 50s, 60s, you know, we are the most educated, healthy, wealthy, active women of our generation ever. And I'm all for, you know, it's our turn. Let's go do it now, girls. The other thing that is different about a bucket list or a life list is bucket lists, I did a lot of research on this, bucket lists kind of predominantly seem to be founded around experiences and travel and adventure. And a life list is not, you know, we're, we are multifaceted human beings. We have lots of things that make up what makes us happy and what gives us joy. So I talk about uh, making sure that we're setting goals across various chapters in our life so you know of course there's travel and adventure experiences in there but then there's also our wealth our health our lifestyle the environment giving you know we're we're at an age now where we've acquired a phenomenal amount of knowledge and wisdom so how are we going to give that back how do we contribute our knowledge and making sure that we're covering off all of the elements that make us up and that are important to us you know, so it's not just about a wish list of travel destinations. It's a life list of how I want to live my life very differently starting from today. 
Yes, I love that. And so what has your life list given you? Like what's been the key thing that it's given you? It's given me a lot of joy and it's also given me a lot of purpose and I have this incredible sense of momentum where I'm doing stuff. Like I'm actually, as I tick off these goals, I'm generating this momentum, but it becomes very addictive and enticing and I'm happier. And I know that's probably easy to say because the last two years, it wouldn't be that hard to be happier after the two years we've been through or the the number of years we've been through. But it's more than that. It's giving me a sense of purpose. It's giving me a lot of joy. It's giving me energy. It's very much changed my whole approach to how I'm living. And I'm still doing all of the normal stuff. You know, I still turn up and I go to work and I still spend a lot of time with my family and with my kids. And there's all of that, but I'm deliberately carving out really good slabs of time for the things that fill my own cup. And it's wonderful. And and no one's resentful of it. You know, it's interesting. I was sort of a little bit worried, you know, were the kids going to get a bit annoyed or, and they're just thrilled. They're loving this journey. I am. And my daughter said to me the other day, mum, I just haven't seen you this happy for such a long time. You're, you're so happy. She said, you're glowing, you're glowing. And God, that meant so much to me. It was so beautiful, but it's true. I, I am happy. I feel fantastic. So that's what it's given to me. It's given me this drive, this purpose, and I I haven't felt it for a long time. You know, coming out of our separation sort of five years ago and throwing myself into the business and the kids and survival mode and then my mum passed away and then we just got through that and then COVID and then Dan got diagnosed and it was just we were in bloody survival mode and I feel like I've finally kind of ruled a line under that where I can actually now live with a lot of joy. And in saying that, I also recognise that we've all got a backstory. Everyone has a backstory. Everyone listening to this will have had pain and loss and grief, trauma across all the elements of our lives. You know, we've got a backstory. This isn't about me saying, oh, God, look how bad it's been and, you know, please feel sorry for me. This is about saying it's okay, let's acknowledge and talk about our loss and our grief and our sadness. but then reflect on that and use that to kind of craft and create the life you want to live from now onwards. And everyone deserves to be happy, right? Yeah. You deserve to be happy. I know. And be glowing and be doing the things that you want to do. And I love that intentionality that, you know, this journey has now taken you towards. I think that's awesome. So Great. And I I feel like I'm on this train and I don't want to get off. You know, I'm not getting off this train. I mean, I'll get off to climb the mountain and I'll get off to, you know, go plant a thousand trees and I'll get off to hug my kids, but I'm getting back on for the next part of the journey. Yeah, I love that. So question, especially for women, because more often than not, I hear how busy women are. They're constantly busy. They're a busy mum. They're a busy wife. They're a busy executive. They're a busy everything. They do genuinely struggle to put themselves first. So is there a secret to how we find the time to make the life list? Yeah, look, women generally are quite giving in our nature. We're sort of nurturers. I'm sure all your listeners, men and women, are busy. 
and feeling busy. You know, busy has sort of acquired a bit of a social status, a bit of a badge of honour that, you know, how are you? Oh, I'm busy. Oh, my God, I'm busy too. And then we talk about how busy we all are. And, you know, the first thing I'd say to that is it's not a club you want to be in. Don't join the busy club. And if you find yourself in it and talking about it, then change your language. When people ask you how you are, tell them that you're productive. Tell them you're working at pace. Tell them that, you know, you're doing things that you enjoy. Have a different type of conversation. Uh, in terms of carving out that time, we need to do another podcast, Julie, on what I want. And I can give you like a hundred strategies for how your readers, your listeners are going to find time to do this. But to kind of encapsulate it into one thing, one useful tip that will help for now is I want you to think about yourself as an appointment with your most important client um, or your most important stakeholder if you're an executive. And so it might be the CEO, it might be your most remunerative client, you know, Think about that most important key stakeholder in your life and how when you put them into your calendar, you highlight it in red and you prepare for that meeting and there is no way on earth you would ever not turn up to that meeting. I want you to take that same thinking and lock yourself into your calendar as the key stakeholder in this scenario where you're going to give yourself at least an hour a week to start thinking about what does my perfect life look like? Treat yourself as that key stakeholder and put yourself into your calendar. And just like you're going to turn up for your boss, you got to turn up for yourself. Yeah. It's a real flipping mindset, I find. And of course, the change in language as well, in terms of making you a priority. Because then, of course, you know, once you've done the list, of course, you have to do what you put on the list, yeah. which, um, you know, so you can keep that time or, you know, move the time around to make sure that that then enables you to live the life that you're wanting to live. Because I would love for people to take this on board and to not have to have a severe health diagnosis or a major life event like you've had for this to happen. There's so much in your story that people can learn from and go, I want to live my life now while I while I can because you never know what's around the corner. That's it. And you don't want to be prompted by a crisis. And unfortunately, so many of us do. We wait until there is crisis and it gives us time. And all of a sudden, we find the time to reflect on it and make changes and do so with a feeling of gratitude which is great, but it kind of proves the point that there's nothing stopping you from doing it right now. A hundred percent. And I often, you know, for myself, when um, I was faced with my um, diagnosis, I always thought I was pretty good at prioritizing myself. And now I look back on my calendar pre-diagnosis and I see how packed it was. And I'm like, have a look in your calendar to understand where your priorities are because they're right in front of you and I bet it doesn't include you. It's interesting because I do a lot of, you know, from a productivity perspective, I do a lot of productivity and time management workshops with corporates and they bring me in to work with the team to work out where they're actually investing their time, where they should be investing their time and so forth. And part of that process is I get them to do a time audit. So each person maps their time from the minute they get up to the minute they go to bed 
and they have to indicate every single time they switch tasks and every time they interrupt it. So you could get pages of data. And what floors me again and again and again when I see these timesheets is how very little people build themselves into their own day. At best, you'll get someone squeezing a run or a walk-in at lunchtime. And sometimes someone will squeeze in maybe a gym session after work. But that's it. You know, there's nothing else that I see on those timesheets where people are actually prioritising filling their own cup. And if we are constantly working and depleting the cup without refilling it, you know, how could we possibly turn up as our best selves at work or in our lives with anything but kind of working with our adrenaline and massive depletion? And it's so rare for me when I'm working with my clients to see a timesheet where someone's actually prioritizing themselves beyond like half an hour. You know, some people are squeezing in toilet breaks. Most people are eating lunch at their desk. You know, it's it's so damaging. It's so damaging to your organization because your people are just not productive when they're working like that. But from a designing and living your best life perspective, how can you possibly do that? Yeah, I totally agree because you need to feel yourself to enable you to be your best self. And if you're leading others to enable you to be the best leader and therefore into your personal life to be the best partner, mother, whatever it is for others, you've got to be the best version of you first. 100% agree. Yeah. So now, Kate, how can people get in touch with you? Because on the day that we're recording this, your new book is out there. Shells, baby. Um, So, look, the life list is. I got the distribution list from the the publisher the other day, and it's amazing. It's in Dimmick stores nationally, QBD stores nationally. It's at Readings in lots of little indie stores. It's online, Booktopia and Amazon. And you can reach out to me at my website, which is www.katechristie.com.au. Beautiful. And I will share all the links in the show notes with the podcast as well. So Kate, it's been wonderful chatting to you. And I have a final question, which I'd love to know, which is what is next on your life list? Oh, I look so exciting. So I am flirting this year with the digital nomad piece. So I have just booked seven weeks in Bali. (laughs) from mid-July until the end of August and I'm going to live and work there and practice being a digital nomad. I reckon it's doable. And one of the other things on my life list that has been there forever is I've always wanted to learn to surf. My kids surf. My eldest son is an incredible surfer and I've always wanted to and I've always felt awkward and, you know, oh, my God, are people looking at my bum falling out of my bathers and you know, all I look like in a wetsuit and I'm so unco. And and I finally realised no one cares. No one's looking at me. You know, they're not really looking at me. So I am partnering with an incredible um, Australian organisation called Surf Getaways. And the last week of August in Bali, they are going to teach me to surf and I'm going to work with their guests on creating their own life lists and implementing a living out a life list. So it's a beautiful partnership because I get to learn to surf and to share the message of the life list and their guests get to learn to surf and to create their own life list. So they're two of the biggies on my life list for this year. I'm super excited. 
My gosh, that's amazing. I can't wait to hear how you go with all of that. Kate, thank you for being so open and sharing your story with us. I really admire what you're doing and thank you for being such a fantastic role model for so many. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Julie. Thank you for having me on your incredible podcast. I was just delighted when you reached out to me. So thank you. Thanks, Kate.